The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves. There we go. There we go. There we go. They're in here, everybody. So listen, we're we're how y'all how y'all feeling tonight, Darnell and Steve? What's going on? Man, we're feeling good, man. We're ready to roll, ready to just all this energy has been poured up and built up. This book is about to be phenomenal. We just ready to let the world know what we've been up to. Yo, yo, Steve, what's what's on your mind, bro? Not enough hair, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> now, I'm, life's life is good. Life is beautiful. Honestly, you know, um, yeah. just really excited for the release of this book. I know all three of us have really come together to just lay out a lot of our struggles. It's not just about wisdom or experience as much as it's the failures in the blueprint of where we all went wrong for so long and to kind of see it all kind of yeah. come together. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm more excited than the people that are about to purchase it because I just want to read it <laughs> no and doubt. learn from you no guys doubt. and no almost doubt. just like, like retrace my steps to become a man, man. So Matt, why do you guys think this book is necessary? Like as in the, in what's going on in the world around us, why do you think it is important for this book to come out right now, Darnell? I would say, first of all, as men, so many times we were divided by race, we're divided by class, we're divided by socioeconomic. And I think this book allows us to see that as men, we all have similar struggles. We all have transitions of manhood. We all have things that we're trying to overcome, childhood wounds. It's, it's, it doesn't skip any of us. And I think this book allows us to learn how to navigate it, not perfectly, but hopefully if you're a young man, you can navigate it better in the future. And if you're a seasoned person, you can reach back and help somebody who is currently trying to get through some of those early seasons to do it better than you did it. So I think there's something for everybody in this book and on their journey to manhood. Yeah, man. Steve, why do you think it's necessary, bro? I think it's necessary because none of us had it. Mm. That's like the first thing that came to my mind that, you know, I got a 13 year old son at home and I'm like, just read the book. Just, just, Just read it. Like, right. it's gonna, not that it's going to just take the load of being a father off of me, but it's going to help fill some gaps that just you being in the moment as a father, just you can't do, you know, it, it's a, I was right. told a right. long time ago that you're only going to raise your boy and in life will raise this man. And I hope that this book can be the mm-hmm. conduit, the conduit to that, where you, you can kind of absorb this information and you don't have to agree with it. It's not right. about you agreeing. Right. It's about you just being open to just seeing the way that other people think. And because being a man is part of being open and coachable. Right. 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 I think, right. you know, this this book um, really is near and dear to my heart because um, I actually want to give a shout out to my nephew. Um, my ne- I have a uh, I have a nephew who's a young man. He's experienced a lot of trauma, and one day he called me, um, and I was already working on the book. I was already working on the book, and he asked me. He was like, he was like, "Yo, Uncle Rob." He he's like, "What does it mean 
to be a man to you? Like, what what does it mean? And he's and he was like, Yo, Uncle Rob, like, how do I how do I know that I'm becoming a man? What are some things I need to know? What and it was real. It was it was real. It was raw. And the conversation actually caught me off guard. And I was just thinking, like, you know, mm-hmm. Dak, like this beyond just formulating some book, like this, it, it it came from a place of if he feels like this, I know that there no are doubt. other people and other young pe- young men, and not just young men, men in general who are in various transitions of their yeah. life who don't have these inward truths working um, on the inside of them. So that they can become the best versions of themselves. I think many times we've talked about in the we've talked about amongst ourselves that a lot of times the definitions and the examples that men have or are working of understanding themselves um, oftentimes are not healthy, and a lot of times they don't even come from another man. They just come from um, cultural norms or or you know mom or right. grandma who raised them um, and. What we wanted to do and what what my heart was, my endeavor was to create a piece of work that would be able to speak to all men. Like we said, like Steve said, like you said, bro, um, that would speak to all men that regardless of their race, their sex, their orientation, um, how they grew up, where they grew up, that these are core inward truths that men need in order to live their best life and become the best versions of themselves. That's good. That's good. That's strong, man. And you know, it's the, your, your story about your nephew and everything. And you said that, you know, if he needs it, other people need it. And I feel like it just ties into what's been said about how you're not given this blueprint, you know, if you ask every single man, at least in America, because I can't speak for other countries, but even more so in the first and second world countries, there's idols, there's models, there's mentors. And I've talked to people while writing the chapter that I contributed. And a lot of people that I was, my father was my mentor, my idol, or Kobe Bryant. And yeah, my Jordan, just these people that they put ahead. But the thing is, you don't know them. Like you don't really, right. hell, if you watch The Last Dance, you met Michael a little bit more. I might get to the Chicago conversation with you two dudes. I know you guys. No doubt, no doubt. But the thing is, I saw that while writing it, the definition and the understanding of men was coming from external sources. They had no idea of what it was from within. And that made Correct. me nervous of like, man, when I'm about to, the, the power through these fingertips, it's about to write something. It could, it could shape somebody. And I want to really yeah. be diligent about this and take it seriously. Cause I'm talking to myself. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's yeah. true. To jump on that also, I think this book, as we were each writing our own chapters and our own contributions, it allowed a certain sense of transparency and vulnerability to say, being a role model does not mean perfection. It does not mean that you did everything right, but you were man enough to learn from your mistakes and to be man enough to share those lessons you've learned with someone so they don't have to repeat those same trappings and shortcomings. So I think part of the journey is just saying, I didn't get it all right. I made some mistakes. I went through some hardships that I don't want anyone else to have to repeat. So here's a little bit of me in a very transparent and vulnerable way. I'm very confident that the readers of this book 
will sense that vulnerability and transparency from each of us in our own way. You know, I want to touch on something you said, Darnell, is I, people say I'm a perfectionist and doing what I do as a professional coach, I tell people, listen, I would never ask for perfection, but I will ask for perfect effort. Perfect effort does right. not equate to perfection. The, the the perfect failure is the one that you gave your all to and didn't it didn't work out. There's no right. that is there's right. no shame in that. And when we you know right, while writing yeah. the book, I hope that when people read it, they go, man, I put it all out there, and it didn't work out. But I, yeah. I but I left it on the field. I left it on the court. I left it in the, yeah. the metaphor you want yeah. to drop. As long as you are willing to fail perfectly, then you can learn to succeed in perfection. Perfection is idealistic. It's good. It's good. Yeah, man, that's true. That's real stuff. I'm interested to know because we're not just writing and talking. We're not just talking at men. We're talking to men. We're talking. No. We're talking to men, and oh, yeah. a lot of times we're talking to men from our own stories, from our own experiences. And uh, Darnell, I'm interested yeah. to know, man. You 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 were talking about. Uh, mistakes and life experiences like dude what what are some things that you've kind of had to walk through on your journey to becoming an offensive yeah. uh man yeah i think so i always talk about a lot of times the transitions of manhood so you know the transition from living at home you know for me that whole navigating what does it look like as a single parent product to leave your mother's house you know so many young men across America and across this world, you know, it says seven out of 10 young men in the African-American community are not being raised by their biological father. You know, 40% are Caucasian men. So this is not just specific to a certain demographic or ethnicity, but young men in general are struggling to make that jump from my parents' home to my own place. And how do you do that successfully? How do you do that without guilt, without shame. So many of us carry that burden of, will my mom be okay? Will my siblings be okay? I, you know, so many of us as young men carry so much weight that our father should have navigated and carried for us. We enter adulthood feeling like we've been men for a long time already, no fault to our own. So I think Part of my story, not only in this book, but in whenever I get a chance to speak anywhere, is how does one navigate, I think, that first transition that a lot of men hit successfully or unsuccessfully is how do I transition to my own place? How do I transition to taking care of myself even before I'm tasked with taking care of a, a wife or children? How do I learn to take care of me and pay my own bills and navigate life as a successful individual before I have the new responsibility of taking care of somebody else? I think that's one thing that I think can be a touchy point because we don't want to offend people. We don't want to offend our parents. We don't want to offend those who attempted to mentor us and train us up and love us. But if truth be told, a lot of wounds are gathered in that season if not done correctly. Yeah, yeah. I, you know it's interesting because you talked about those being raised with fathers and those raised without. I'm, a, I'm, a, I call, I call myself a waitress's kid. My, my, my mother, you know, she had her own struggles, and I talk about that in the book to an extent. And think about those who were raised by fathers that the fathers could have used this. Book. Yeah, 
that that's what came no to my mind no where there's so many people where it's like you're only doing the best that you can and there's no blueprint Correct. for the generation before and that is one motivator i know that like you just inspired me to say and something i remember writing was this book needs to be read by the dads before their dads, while their dads yeah. learn to apologize. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. Take accountability. Like, you know, son, son, I got it wrong because I was wrong. And we can just redo, we could do better together. Maya Angelou, yeah. she said, when you know better, you can do better. And no, we can start Correct. now. Yeah, man. The truth That's is good. a lot of people's lives and a lot of men's lives are shipwrecked. They're shipwrecked. And what I've realized is that a lot of men, they're going throughout life trying to pick up the broken pieces of their life yeah. um, while they're trying to be husbands, while they're trying to be fathers, while they're trying to be professionals and behind closed doors. You know, I, and I'll say it like this. I had a conversation with my bros and we've been successful in various fields doing various things. Um, but there's an inward part of a man, regardless of how much yeah. money he makes, how much fame he gets, how much influence he has, that if his soul ain't right, if 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 they're in, if the inward core of who he is isn't built, isn't isn't strong, isn't validated, then he's not whole and regardless of 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 what he has or what he who he has how you know whatever riches he has if inwardly is not validated and this is the big the biggest part of the book for me was that these things these were not just principles that and this is why i didn't use the word principles too often um these are inward truths there are five of them in the book that we talk about inward truths that every man needs every man needs no to doubt. to to live a life that uh is purpose filled purpose driven and that he can become the best version of himself when i started when we started writing this That's book good. um the i think out of all the chapters that stuck out to me um, was the second chapter where we talk about every man should know that he is enough. Every man should know he's enough. Yeah. That was for me. And we'll get into our own sections of the book um, or our favorite sections. But for me, it was, you know, you're enough. And I think from the reason why that resonated with me the most is because I grew up you know, not knowing my father being a result of an affair, yeah. my father not wanting to have anything to do with me at all till this day. Mm. Um, and I grew up and I had this kind of thing, inward thing that, yo, I, I have to prove that I'm worth it. I have to prove that I can, that I'm, I'm worth yeah. love. I'm worth affirmation. And regardless mm. of how many degrees, how successful, what I still would not feel yeah. that I was sufficient. I felt like I was always lacking. Nah, and as I've talked to different men and we all do men's work in different fields. Now I want, I wanted everybody to know these aren't some novices sitting up here. We have at least 30 years <laughs> on this call or on this live, 30 years of experience in education, psychology, social services, yep. mentorship, uh, ministry, all of that is sitting right here between these th us three um, over 30 years. That's and so um, realizing that, you know what, it's not just me, but men struggle with knowing that they're enough 
that they are sufficient. Yeah. You know, yeah. to be honest, we live in a society and a world where men always have to perform. Always have to perform. You have to perform yeah. at work. You got to perform with the kids. You got to perform in bed. You got to perform everywhere. And if you, and if you, <laughs> come talk. on, man, it's real talk. And if you're missing it, you, you know, if you miss it in one area, then you, you're not enough. Or do you, you, you get these feelings. Yeah. It looks like y'all got something to chime in. I see Steve over there. You feel like you're not enough. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> It's just so much to jump on to, you know, it's like you keep like sending out these life rafts and you just want to just swim on one. Um, Go ahead, swim, brother. You know what? The, 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 yeah, right. The <laughs> thing that I feel is like really the, the most impactful thing that you're saying right now, Rob, is that the expectance, the, the expectation, you know, the expectation. Yeah. And I listen, I think expectation goes to both genders. I don't want to despair there, but I definitely think that as a man, there's a, there's this overarching, like you must do these things, you know, Correct. like as yeah. society has kind of welcomed women into different fields and, you know, switching some gender roles. There's a lot of men I've talked to who they're getting their gender roles switched and they don't even know what to do with it because there's no societal standard for that yet. And, that, yeah. and that's important. Right. And I, and I want to kind of give it a preface. If you cook dinner and you're taking care of kids and you're doing all this stuff and you don't think you're a man, bro, read this book, bro. Read this book. Because I'll tell you, you yeah. cooking dinner is manly. You being the yeah. kids, that father figure, that's manly. You don't need to smoke marble red yeah. and drink, you know, shiesty beer. And <laughs> you don't need that. You may want that, and we could talk privately right. if you got a problem in either of those areas. But I'll tell you, if you feel that you're less than because you're not the prototypical man, you're probably the best man because you're not prototypical. Because being yeah. a man is not cookie cut. And I support everything Rob said. Your expectancy to do everything that you mentioned, that's hard work, man. You take a day off, you tell the dude that he has ED for the night. Man, it is going to be a long night. Right, dude, dude, it's 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 real, man. Um, and I want to I want to be honest. You know, I'm I'm gonna get in trouble, and I know I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this. Another (laughs) another reason why, and excuse the way I'm gonna say this, everybody, but one of the (laughs) another reason why that I wrote this book because I'm just tired of the bull. God, I'm tired of the bull, and what I mean by that is the this these unspoken rules and regulations um, that are archaic and keep men in a state of bondage and helplessness um, because men feel like they have to live into um, this ideology of what it means to be a man. And actually, we talk about that in the first chapter. In the yeah. first chapter, yeah, you do. we talk about every man needs to have some working understanding of what it means to even be a man. Um, and sure. I often say this, if you listen yeah. to my podcast, I often say that a man cannot, cannot, cannot hear me today y'all I'm, i feel it those who a man cannot be just measured by what he does because what happens when he can no longer do those things if uh, if the measure Correct. of your manhood and your masculinity is your job what happens when you lose your job if the measure of a yeah. man is based upon how he performs in bed what happens when it stops working if a measure of a man yeah. is based upon you all, all, all that 
he can physically do alone, then that is right. a poor piss pot uh, uh, definition or working understanding of what it means to be a man. And I'm saying this because there are men out there whose lives are built upon what they can physically do. And we have right. to dig deeper and have some working understanding of who we are because when we no longer can do that men's lives are desecrated they're desecrated that's good you know i I remember when uh, i started writing the chapter you know and we'll talk about the chapters that we wrote in a little while but i remember writing and i remember thinking man like if who am i I, I had to stop. I, had, I, I was typing, and I'm like, delete it. Who am I? Who am I to write this? First thing I wrote is, I'm a man. Then I started going backwards. Like, I'm a man because of, I'm a man because of. And you, you're right. There is, like, a desecration of what a man is because it's, it's too simple to destroy it. We, 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 you put people on a pedestal made of cards, and it, we don't ever get a chance to start on flat ground together, equal, and it's so important to be like, you know what? Failing is not making you a failure. Okay. Right. You're not performing Monday. Doesn't mean you're not going to rock it Tuesday. Just stay with right. me. Trust me. I got you. You know, take my yeah. hand. We'll make it. I swear. Thank you, Bon Jovi. Like there's this so many opportunities to prove yeah. yourself to yourself. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. That's real. So, man, Darnell, what, what you you definitely um, you've been in education for a long time. Um, what are some of the things? Years, yeah. What are some of the things that you see um, um, that need to be addressed in the culture as it relates to manhood and masculinity? Right. right. I think a lot of times I always tell people it's really difficult to replicate what you've never seen. So therefore, I, you know, countless times I hear kids say, well, my mom, my parents were not good at math, so I won't be good at math. Or, you know, my dad wasn't good in school. So I, you know, you follow the traits of what's in front of you. So, you know, and at lead one, we always talk about breaking the cycle, whether it's absentee fatherhood, whether it's lack of education, whether it's, you know, domestic violence, whether it's divorce, yep. all of us typically as men have some type of generational curse we're trying to break. So a lot of times in education, as a teacher and now as an administrator, I'm always encouraging both men and women, but particularly young men to say, it is okay to be smart. It is okay to be, to strive for excellence in the classroom and on athletic field. It is okay to be polite. It is okay to be a gentleman in a society where people would say that's old fashioned and good guys finish last and you know good guys get run over in this world, it is okay to break away from a lot of the negative stereotypes that are placed on us as men. So trying to encourage that young man who, you know, will be the first person to graduate from high school or graduate from college and his family. Yeah can be a fearful thing when you're the first guy, when you're the first person and you're blazing the trail that nobody has blazed before. How do, and myself as an educator, how can I come around you and support you and encourage you and say, yes, you're scared. 
yes, you're fearful, but you are not alone. I'm with you in this. Countless other people that you may or may not even know are with you in this. And we can navigate this together. Like Steve was saying, you're not by yourself. You don't have to make this up as you go. But I think in our world of education, um, just creating a, a, a template that's optional. You know, I have young men, both, yeah. you know, minorities and, and Caucasian and all the above, high, you know, high socioeconomic, low socioeconomic. And they say, Mr. Weathersby, you know, we've been watching you and we see how you love your family. We see the passion you have for our students and our community. And you don't even realize the impact you're having on us and the uh, the the authentic version of manhood that you're giving us. Once again, not perfect, but they understand that every day I'm giving in my all, that every day I'm trying to be an example, potentially an example that I didn't have, but I definitely wanted to give them a reference point to say, you know what, when I'm tempted to make an excuse, when I'm tempted to throw in the towel, when I'm tempted to not do my best, I remember Mr. Weathersby was pressing in. I remember Mr. Weathersby was there. He was present. He was engaged. And how can I be that for someone else in my generation? So, man, so I think um, after 17 years in education, I get a chance to be that that father figure for so many who made didn't have it. So, shepherd. So, all I'm hearing is shepherdship, bro. Yeah, man. So, I wanna I wanna chime in. No there was a question for you, Darnell. It said the uh, Nino said as one yeah. in the arena of education and seeing and experiencing various journeys of young men growing. How do you make yourself a resource? And are there times you acknowledge that you can't be your re- you can't be the resource? How so, do you- so I think you know it's it's funny now where in the age of social media, you know I have, for example, I have. Over 17 years, I have various different kids or now young adults, you know, in their late 20s, knocking on 30. And, you know, they're navigating different seasons of their journey, whether it's young men who I had as students are now getting married and having children. So I think sometimes you don't realize when you're going to be the resource. You may look at a young man that you are currently teaching right now and say, man, I feel like I failed him. I feel like I failed her. And then you look up five years from now and they reach out to you via Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and say, I know you don't think I was listening then, but I still remember when you said this. I still remember when you put your arm around me and you said that. I still remember when you gave me a swift kick in the butt, but it was because you loved me and you cared about me and though I might have cussed you out at that moment, thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for still pouring into me, even when I didn't understand it or appreciate it. Time kind of has its way of now, you know, students giving me those roses where I can still smell them and say, wow, you don't even understand the impact you had on me and how it's changed my life 10 years from then. And now I'm a young adult. Now I have a family of my own. You didn't even know you were being the example that you were, but you were being an example. So I think you can't get caught up in the immediate gratification of being that resource. You have to be able to play the long game and say, you know what? I just have to be consistent in the season that I'm in and the opportunity that I have. And then whatever fruit comes from it, 
you know, to God be the glory. But, you know, you can't press and make it seem like it's all on you. You mm-hmm. just have to yeah. live life and let it run its course. You That's know, good. I like to say one thing because uh, Ra uh, Darnell is reminding me of a, I had a teacher when I was in fifth grade. I was I yeah. was fourth and fifth. I was part of the poorest there ever was. Like I knew I I know I smelt. My, you know, my mother was disappearing. I don't know whatever. You got you might as well ask her because she might jump in on this. I couldn't tell you. I haven't talked to her, but I right. can tell you that I had a teacher in fifth grade, and he would just put my desk outside every day. Like he, like he, I would, I would show up and he would point like a pharaoh, like go. He would turn my desk around. It, this, it was like, man, it got to the point where I just went to class, took my desk, put it outside. Teachers would walk by, like, man, what, what's, what is this kid doing? And there was only right. one person, one person who ever stopped by, and he came to me and he said, "Can I talk to you?" I go, "I'm in a hallway, sir. Everyone's trying to talk to me," and he was like. This is my name is Mark Squitieri, and I'm going to say his name. And I don't know where he is, but uh, whatever. He he said, "Would you be okay if you stood a couple minutes after class? I'd like to talk to you." I go, hey, "I got nowhere to go, so why not?" He gave me right. a little bag of famous right. cookies, you know, famously made in New Jersey, by the way. And he said, "Why are you, why are you outside?" And I said, "Because my teacher doesn't like me." He goes, "He's one person." He's, and he was a very he was a, a Pentecostal uh, pastor, I believe, who was teaching in conjunction. And he was like, "You were made for something that doesn't require that classroom. And the moment you forget that, yeah. you'll, you'll never ever want to belong to that classroom." And he, I bet, he eventually became my teacher. And uh, I never forgot that because he gave me something to look forward to. Just and I and I was not a I was not a happy student. All I wanted was someone like you know Darnell to turn around and be like, "What's going on with you?" Not like get out of my room, but yeah. what is stopping you from being yeah. in the room? Someone to pull some kid aside and be like, "What's going on? How are you? What makes you tick?" And I yeah. say I, it seems like that's what you do. And and I'm so grateful for the kids who have met you who who, who haven't because they have no idea what's coming. They got an educated proud brother waiting to meet them and to be them and to village with them. That's so inspiring to me, man. I just, you made me reflect on my, my life and, and like, you know, knocking on, how do you knock on your own classroom door for asking for a pencil? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You are not that man. And I'm so respectful to what you do for people and I couldn't honor you enough. That's love, ma'am. Dave and Uh, Steven, I had a question. I had a question for you. Um, Steven, you're an educated man. Uh, you got like two master's degrees, and uh, I got one. Well, I don't speak. Yeah, I got one, one master's, one bachelor's, one associate's. Okay, well, you're an educated brother, and what I want to talk to you about is what. And th- this is the question that came up in my heart. So let me just kind of say uh, this is off the cuff. Yo, oh god, <laughs> yo, Stephen. It always hits me with the blows, man. I know, always man. with the haymakers. So, Stephen, what do you cry for? What do you cry for? And, and yeah, man. Uh, is my wife still is my wife good. still watching? I don't. I don't oh, know, bro. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I <hope so. laughs> I'll go home weeping. But um, nah. Um, I think I cry for other. I think at this point I cry for other people, man. Like as I remember, like I just said, like being the kid outside the room, or you know, going home to empty home, yeah. or just that wasn't even a home, just a house full of people that didn't want you. And I talk a lot about that in the book of like. I, I feel like in my quiet moments, I cry this, you know, things that I've done wrong that I wish I had not. 
And then there's things I cry for that I know people are going through. Like, it's almost like a, like an empathetic, like, I know I talk a lot about compassion in this book and I think about how can I, if I could just cry and allow that the, the water to be soaked by the seed of, of compassion to other people, let, let the roots go, please. That's, I think that would yeah. be the thing that pulls me the most is when I hear like my son talk about struggling as a young boy or, or his friends and like what they're talking to. And like, I want to listen. I think I'm a cool dad, but not every person thinks that, but that's cool. But I know that when those, when those kids need to congregate and talk, it's like, we can go to Steve. He's cool. He'll tell us what's up. You know, and I just I think that's yeah. the biggest answer, man. I cry for those who maybe don't think it's OK because I didn't think it was OK. I turned sweat into yeah. I turned tears into sweat because I didn't know any different and I didn't want that. But I told I knew. Yeah. Mm, what's love? Yeah, man. Darnell, yeah. What, 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 what are you what are you crying for? What are you fighting for? Man, I think, you know, like I said before, you know, empowering others. Um, I come from seasons of brokenness, um, low income, poverty, and now God has blessed me with a pretty, you know, successful career and, and ministry and opportunity to just equip others to take pride in their beginnings, not be satisfied in where they're at. Mm-hmm. And as they become better and do better, you know, you talked about shepherdship and mentorship, but how can we um, just equip others when they have or when they do experience success to not be satisfied with it just being beneficial to them. But how can we, how can I equip others to say, I've been blessed to be a blessing. So therefore, how can I then turn around and equip others who are along coming along that journey? So I cry when I see people struggle. I cry because I know that pain, I know that hunger, literal hunger. Um, I know that that emptiness, that that frustration. So many men are living life rooted in, and I will do better than my dad did. So they're rooted in anger. They're rooted in bitterness um, instead of a pure desire to be the best man they can be. So I think this book is going to go a long way to helping free a lot of men from that anger and frustration and that bitterness as their motivation to say, you know what, what happened to you was real. What mm-hmm. happened to you will not be just washed over, but once we acknowledge it, we have to be able to repackage it. So it's not poison to you. So it doesn't kill you. So it doesn't enable you, but it empowers you to be even better. And once again, once you become better, you can't stay rested in that. You have to be able to make sure somebody else can be better as well. So that's what I cry for. Man. Teach one, teach one, man. That's powerful. I think yes, one, sir. One, one thing that I, I, I cry for and I, I'm fighting for, I'm fighting for men who feel like they don't have a chance, like they don't have the opportunity. Mm. I'm fighting for, man, this is, all going there and bringing me to tears i'm i'm fighting for men who have gone through life and don't know who they are yet um i'm fighting for men who have lived in silence for years because they didn't feel like they had a voice to speak um I'm, I'm, i'm fighting for um and i'm weeping for 
men who are broken and have nowhere to go. And right. And by the time they get to somewhere, it's already too late. Uh, damage has already mm. been done. Life's passed them by. Yeah, man. And I'm talking about I'm 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 here for um, the men who are in prison and who are locked up, who didn't not saying excusing whatever they did, but somebody missed the the sign. Somebody missed the 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 the, the 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 cries for help, and the only time that they got yeah. acknowledged was by the time the crime was already done. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, Rob, you are just killing it that. on the whole. So, and I know you're, I know we're going to touch about the book, but I want to shout out a part of what I wrote, which is loving the boy is loving the man. Yeah, man. You're really drilling it. Yeah, man. I, 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 I was actually going to transition to your, to your part of the book. Um, another thing that I am actually, that I'm crying for and that I'm fighting for, I'm fighting for, um, and this is just something that may be personal to me. Um, who men who have experienced any type of sexual trauma or traumatic experiences and never had the space yeah. to define who they are, what what the what their life means, and um, where do they go from here? And you know, even in the book, we don't necessarily right. talk and cover that, but that's what I'm fighting for. That's who I'm fighting for. I'm fighting for all of these men, um, and I feel like, and I know. That there are, I feel like for women, there are things everywhere. I, I don't care what type of woman uh, it is. I don't care what they're going through. There's somewhere, something for them to go to, to get help, to get assistance, to get support, to yep. get money, to get housing. Yeah. Um, but for men, it is far and few in between. For It's scarce. Yeah. And so what I want to know um, is, is I want men to know that um, one thing, too, that uh, we'll segue into Stephen's part of the book, um, talking about love, because I think that all of these men um, are where they are. It's not it's because of a lack of love, of love for themselves, love for their community, love for uh, for life. Um, and so, Stephen, man, I'm going I'm to throw this ball in your court. Um, I, I'll tell you, Rob, you, when you approached me to write into this into this book, I was so excited. I would have said yes if you asked me to write in, you know, Cantonese. It wouldn't have mattered to me. But when you asked me to write on, like, love, I was like, oh, man, he again with the haymakers, man. How do I write on on love? And what what is love? I was – it took me, like, a week just to come up with an idea. I had to research it. I had to open up different Bibles, different scriptures from different religions. I had to talk to people. I had to really get an idea. And I came up with the definition that really helps flow this, that whole chapter and in turn, you know, the book out, which is love is the transfer of energy from a person to another person, place, or thing that evokes intense admiration, appreciation, yeah. or fondness. And I, it's the verb. It's the noun. It is what it is. Love is this that evocation that 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 something that evokes this intense feeling. You know when they say you'll know when you know it, bro. There's a definition to know it by. No more like love is this, love is that. You can paint it in any way, and I'm not taken from religion, but it's almost a cop out of defining it. It's like how do you define the word that we use in context? 
there's like a way to look at love as an overarching thing. Then there's, all right, I have to use this in my real life and apply it. And that was my goal. And, you know, really breaking this down, I was like, man, I, I'm still figuring out what love is because I had to look inside myself. So the very first thing, the introduction to the chapter talks about the need for a higher power. And, and, and I know like, what is a higher power? And a lot of people are like, Oh, it's God. I'm like, that's cool. But does God govern you? They're like, well, yeah, you know, this is the way I live. And I'm like, does it influence the way you live? They're like, yeah. I'm like, so a higher power is, a, is anything that governs or influences you. Cause when you're young, your parents are a higher power, school teachers, education, government, it's all higher being it influences. And that helps you describe who you are, how you identify. So when right. I was reading it, I was like, you know what? I can only know what love is defined by me and my higher power, my moral compass. I, and, and while writing it, I challenged myself to, as I write this, make sure I'm writing from an authentic and genuine belief system. Yeah. So when I wrote it, the thing that came most to me is I'm only entitled to my love. And that, that like people, when I, I let some people soft read some sentences, they're like, no, this is ridiculous. I'm like, you're not entitled to my love. You're, I'm entitled to mine. You must earn mine through my definition of love. And, and, and doing what I do with the coaching and helping people, I learned that this is the most apparent problem. We expect people to do what we want, how we want it. Yeah. So if, if, if Rob is my boy and Rob can only love me to the most of his capacity, is he not loving me? He is. But I put such a heavy expectation on him because of my definition of love yeah. He can now never love me. And that's what gets us caught up as men, as husbands, as brothers and cousins and nephews, all the titles. And that was a huge piece of it for me. Well, defining this love, we then can understand myself so included. I'm not entitled to love from other people. I must yeah. earn that love. I'm entitled to an opportunity to love you the way you want to be loved. But I'm not a mind reader. And this book takes away that. You know, and um, I wrote in the book, here's a sentence that I wrote, is you are entitled to every bit of love as defined by your higher, higher power and belief system. That sentence encompasses everything. You're not entitled to your wife's love. You expect it. And that's the problem. If you expect things, you don't, you no longer earn it. When you stop earning it, you become complacent and your love goes stale. Right. You know, and, and that to me really hit home. And, and, and then I wrote something that I thought was really, really important is our level of accountability starts and ends with our influences. Yeah. Who is influencing you to say this is what this is and this is what this isn't? Who, right. who decides this? You do. You defined by your moral compass, your higher power. That is what makes accountability worthwhile. Otherwise, yeah. it'd, it'd just be the purge out this mug, man. We got to yeah. have the structure to how we operate. Um, so the last thing I'll say about this is remember, above all, that if you're living within your belief system, guided by your higher power, you aren't wrong. You are not wrong. And But if you expect others to provide you with the love without earning it, you will be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's real stuff. That's real stuff. Thank you, thank you, man. Darnell, you, one of the things that you 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 wrote that you contribute to the book, 
um, was that a man must understand that he was created for something bigger than himself. What, yeah. what, what does that mean to you? Mm. Well, I think once again, if we're not careful as men, we will allow society to tell us that everything is centered around us, you know? Because once again, we're taught to perform. We're taught to come through. We're taught to save the day. So therefore, it's all about what we did or didn't do, what somebody did or didn't do for us. But I think as men, as we're going along this journey, we have to retrain our thinking to say, what's my role, once again, to make others around me secure, to make others around me safe, to make others around me more productive because life is much bigger than just me. As a man, I have a vital role to play, but it's so much bigger than just my successes or losses. I have a contribution to make to the world, and if I do that successfully, others will be positively impacted. And I think as a man, when we realize our greater impact, we won't be so hard on ourselves, yeah. and we won't think too highly of ourselves. So I think we have to reach a healthy medium to say, you know what? I matter, as you said before, Rob, I am enough. And when I'm bringing my A game each and every day, guess who benefits? Not just me. But mm -hmm. everyone in my sphere of influence will be better because I, I brought it today. Everybody will be stronger yeah. because I came with it today. Yeah. Everybody will be more secure because I walked in what I was created to be. So I think that's one of the things I, I love about this opportunity to share and to contribute to this product project is helping men see that when you realize the, uh, the um, type of impact you can have, that every day is priceless. Every day is a unique day to make an impact. And um, one of the quotes I shared from the book, and hopefully you can see this picture being painted as I read this um, passage, it says, Imagine a young man who lives down the street from you between the ages of 10 and 12 years old. He may be watching you get up every day and go to work. He may be watching you pull out of the driveway. He may be noticing your patterns of consistency. Mm. He may be noticing your focus and determination and the little things. As men, we truly underestimate that it's the little things in life that make the greatest impact. It is the day-to-day -day consistency that I think has the potential to transform those around us in the most impactful way. But the question is, can we be counted on? Can we be trusted? Because that young man is watching and looking and hoping to have a connection, if not with you, with some reliable man in his life. So to every man that's reading this book, and we'll read this book across the world, can you be counted? Let this be a personal challenge each and every day we wake up to say, can I be counted? Can I be trusted with this opportunity this day? I can't worry about yesterday and tomorrow's not promised, but with today, can I be the man I've been created to be and have the impact I've been created to have? So once again, it's much bigger than us. Man, that's well, that comes responsibility. That's powerful, man. 
listen, we've been on here for almost an hour already, and we yeah. and, and we're just you know cranking out. I am, uh, I'm. I think we we've. I'm I'm lost for words to be honest because I think there's just. <laughs> I don't so, believe that. I know, right? I. <laughs> um, I you can keep lying to them. I believe. I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> You just don't know what to say. You got something to say. You just uh, trying to put it together. Listen, right. man. I think that you all both are some amazing brothers who are doing some amazing things, um, and I'm honored to um, co-author this work with you. Um, I think Same. we. And the, the beautiful Absolutely. thing about all of this is that we each have our own businesses. We each have our own brands. We each have our own, you know, responsibilities, level of influence. And uh, I just want to say it was great to be able to work together and have no ego issues, no No tripping issues. Like um, we were able to just get it done. And I think that if we're going to make a change in the world and amongst men, and I believe that there's conferences coming out of this, that there's seminars coming out of this, I, I believe that there is, you know, there's teaching curriculums, all of that, that are coming out of this um, in order to help men become the best versions of themselves um, and yeah. give them these tools because it's needed. It's needed yeah. for the white man. It's needed for the black man. It's needed for the Latino man. It's needed for the Chinese man. It's 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 needed for the Asian man. Um, it's needed for every man um, who who's walking the face of the planet. Um, I believe needs um, to know these inward truths so that he can live into who he was called and who he was created to be that this is this is this is what I my strong conviction is. But in order to do that, um, I want to put this out there that men who are doing this type of work, we have to lay down our egos. We have to lay down our titles. We got to lay down our territory. Kind of, you know, sometimes it's this territory thing. This is my thing. This is what I don't know. The world needs to see us collaborate. The world needs to see us come together, especially in a time like this in America. Um, we, um, I, this is why I created this platform, even for I am man, this podcast, because it exists for every man's voice to be heard for every experience to be acknowledged. Um, and so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited and I'm honored you guys. There's people commenting and I'm trying to get it, um, get their comments at the same time, but I'm honored that you guys were on here tonight. Um, and you guys are amazing. Um, please tell us about your website where we can find your stuff um, so people can follow you. Go ahead, Darnell. All right. So um, I'm president and um, founder of the Lead One Movement. So you can check out our website, theleadonemovement.com. You can follow us at Lead One LLC. Um, you can follow our YouTube channel, Lead One Movement. Um, check out our new series, Life with the Weathersbees. Um, and once again, we're just all about empowering individuals in their various seasons of life so that they can maximize their sphere of influence and help train up the next generation. Um, so thanks again for checking out our website, downloading our um, free resources on our website, and look forward to um, connecting with you soon. Good. Steve, where you at, bro? 
Oh man, but where am I not? Um, so <laughs> <laughs> you can find me. I'm Core Four Steve on Instagram, and and please follow the Instagram page of Core of Consult underscore Core Four. It's a consulting coaching company where I have taken like the last ten years of my life experience, education, all that stuff that Rob went off and just started rattling off, which I was very grateful for. Thank you so much, and just put it together to create a platform for people to get the support they need where they need it. Um, I also run a a Facebook group called Life in Doses where the group is about nothing but you. You guys help create that content, start conversations. There's, it's about five days old and we got about 500 heads in it, flowing around, talking, trying to connect because there's just, we're trying to build a safety net of human beings. So when one falls, we catch them. You know, that's the biggest thing we're really looking for. Um, You can go to my website, uh, consultcore4.com, read about me, reach out to me. And I'll tell you, and I mean this, it it might cost me time. And and I guess in a way it costs me money, but I don't charge for love. If you got a question, ask your question. I will answer your question. You deserve to have your questions answered. That's what this book was really kind of pushing to. And just to be part of this collaboration with you fine gentlemen, it's an honor. It's really, truly just a blessing. And I'm so grateful to, to be in your life and to just kind of see where it goes and make impacts. You know, we're all meant to serve and, uh, nothing doubts that to me. Like just knowing you guys more and more and like dropping the egos and looking at it, it was like, yo, I don't even care about making money. I want to save lives. I want to impact. No doubt. No doubt. I don't know. It's almost like a a friendly competition of who's going to save more, who's going to help more, you know? And and I'm that to me, that's what the fellowship's about. That's what brotherhood is about. Bring coming together to, to be a force for good, you know, and not, and, and, and when we, we feel adversity to, to, to advocate for one another, to be there, you know, I I could never imagine looking to my left and looking to my right and not seeing you guys, like you guys are staples in your communities and in others' lives. And I'm kind of just stoked to be like, yo, what's up next? What do we got? Let's do this it. one even out yet. Let's just keep going. Like, I'm ready to just keep pumping out, you know? Yeah, man. No doubt. You can write on love next time, though, Rob. You get love next time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I'm, I, am, I am so excited um, and I'm honored for, for you guys even agreeing um, to be on here um, we are are we this is the book um, what every man needs to know um, and this is us collaborating together um, right now this we plan on this book being available on Amazon all digital outlets um, I've actually have uh, taking in the ticker um, the website where you can find a little bit more information about all of who we are. Um, it is www.whateverymanneedstoknow.info. That's whateverymanneedstoknow.info. You can find more uh, information about the book. And as we continue to build this thing out, you'll find more information there um, about just our journeys, our lives. You're able to connect on there. So if you want to reach out to Darnell, Steve, or myself, all of our information is on there. You can visit that website. It's what every man needs to know. Info. Listen, once again, man, I'm so excited and I'm grateful to have you brothers on um, this podcast, the Iron Man podcast. We've been on here for almost an hour, a little over an hour um, now. And so I'm just excited. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, for everyone, for uh, being with us tonight. We love you. Peace out, everybody. 
Later. Later. The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves.